This is Abrupt Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. Each week, we feature conversations with experts in leadership, management, human resources, culture, and technology to help you succeed in this new normal. This is your host, Benoit Ardivalli. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Abrupt Future. We love to talk about the future of work that happened a bit faster than we thought. And I have with me today an expert in the digitization, the future of work, the future of organization. So I'm speaking today with Roland Dyser, Executive Chairman at the Center for the Future of Organization at the Drucker School of Management. So first of all, Roland, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So, Roland, one of your multiple hats and expertise is around business ecosystem. So I'm going to start right there. I want to ask you what's a business ecosystem with the context that when we typically think about the business world, we think that we have individuals in organization, maybe classified as industries. And then we have this concept of ecosystem that seems to be cutting across. So how do we define that and how recent is this concept? Well, I mean, in a nutshell, you know, you could say an ecosystem is more or less the extended enterprise that is interconnected on a horizontal kind of level and not necessarily in a linear way. You know, we, we have that concept of uh, supply chains and, you know, it's kind of a linear way that goes from, you know, in the Michael Porter's five forces, you know, you start uh, with a supply, you end up with a customer and it's kind of a one-way journey. Uh, ecosystems is really circular, it's horizontal, it's interconnected. And it's not really that much a new concept that why it's so uh, prominent right now in the conversation is that digital transformation has brought all these kind of technologies to us, like, you know, uh, social technologies, cloud, and, and, and other elements that allow people to share data and to connect, you know, on platforms in a, in a very, very different way than they could do before that. And therefore, you know, the ecosystem is almost a force now that is, that is hitting organizations. They have to see how they can connect horizontally more than uh, in the past. So this is why I think it's a currently almost a, a buzzword and the Fed. Yeah. And when we talk about platform and platform economics, is that also something that exploded, so to speak, or grew um, at the same time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, you know, there are many definitions out there and it happens with these new things all the time that people look at from different angles. That's actually a good thing. In my definition, platforms is subsystem or a sub element of, of ecosystems. It's more than just platforms. Because platforms is always something where you actually have this kind of double-sided market or multi-sided markets, and then you may get uh, stuff of like an Airbnb or an Uber and so on and so forth. Whereas if you look at just collaborative systems that, for instance, co-create things with customers or where you would have a, a kind of a dialogue platform where you jointly strategize how your ecosystem should actually serve the market, that's something not necessarily a platform, but that there's an elements of platform inside usually always. 
we talk about the fact that ecosystem seems to be everywhere nowadays. You can't uh, throw a rock uh, yeah. <laughs> without exactly. hitting an, an ecosystem. Yeah. Are there some tendencies by type of industries, type of organization, type of product and services? Well, that's an interesting question. I think that you know the digital players that are digital natives, so to say, Mm -hmm. Uh, they very early on embraced that uh, concept. And of course, also because their contribution to make ecosystems work is pretty critical, right? Uh, we have industries who are still trying to figure it out and don't really understand how to engage in it. And you could say the more it's kind of an old economy, uh, the more they really try to figure out what it is. However, you know, I always think if you like it or not, you are part of an ecosystem. Maybe you don't know it but you are. And it's more a, also a different way to lead and manage uh, in such contexts that is, as I said, a more kind of a collaborative, co-creative and so on type of work than, you know, for instance, let's say in R&D, throwing ideas over the fence, you know, having new products and the market likes it or doesn't like it, that actually doesn't work in an ecosystem concept. Uh, and it never worked actually really before, but now we're seeing that you know through sort of meat and all kinds of things consumers are much more educated and uh, have a voice really in, in successful uh, product development and launch so structurally it means that you're moving from a world where you have a more linear approach to organization where things follow a certain cycle a method like the good old system development life cycle to to use the word that the buzzword in the uh, you know the IT community of, of agile development which really involve a lot of feedback interconnections more of a dynamical systems that has less of a predefined trajectory so to speak yeah absolutely i mean you mentioned agility i think it's a very important element in the whole thing if you especially in large organizations right if you think about how do you really co-create collaborate you know engage with your stakeholders that are part of your ecosystem, if you, you cannot do it really just, you know, in a traditional corporate, you know, bureaucratic way, that would be on one hand way too slow. But it's not only speed, it's also that there is so much alienation, you know, in large bureaucratic organizations that the very top has no idea really what's going on in the periphery. And what ecosystem uh, approaches do is really they, they require an empowered periphery. It means you know, smaller self-organized or semi-self-organized self-editing micro-organizations and teams that really agile in an agile way can interact and, and, and work with those stakeholders outside. And by the way, maybe just a, a remark on, on agility, a lot of agility discussion, you know, focuses on, you, you mentioned software, you know, iteration, and uh, usual design thinking and stuff like that, which is just one important element of it. You know, it's also a certain mindset you need even in the center of your organization, even if you don't participate, you know, in let's say sprints or scrums or whatever, you still need a senior leadership that understands the importance of that kind of mindset. But you also need organizational infrastructures that foster agility, because otherwise you might do a lot of, let's say, hackathons or interesting kind of things, but they remain just a, a theater that doesn't have impact. Does that change also the relationship between similar organization in the same industry in the sense that typically we see the firm as competing with 
another. Now, if we have ecosystem everywhere, we might see, I mean, not less competition, but maybe a different type of competition. Or mm-hmm. I know in many yeah. sectors, you would see some form of compartmentalization where if you are from A, you compete with from B on certain things, but partner on other topic. Uh, that's also an interesting point. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing is that competition must, see, must be seen in a kind of a different context when we talk about ecosystems. On one hand, we have this, I think was discussed already 20 years or more ago, of, of co-opetition, which means there are players where you compete in certain domains, but then you collaborate in other domains, right? So uh, competition is not an either-or or, or a zero-sum game in, in mm-hmm. the ecosystem uh, environment. The other thing is that the competition now really happens not so much between individual players, but between ecosystems, right? You would have an ecosystem, let's say, around Apple and, you know, the whole iOS and what's together there, and then Android and so on and so forth. So it's kind of systems that also interfere with each other or actually have interplays because there need to be platforms that obviously can talk to each other, but there is still it's kind of a very complex way Uh, to look at competition. And then there is a third element, which I find most fascinating, which is, by the way, also driven through digital transformation or digitalization of almost everything, which is that the traditional industry boundaries gets very fuzzy. We have a convergence of industries. You could say, on one hand, every industry has become a technology industry in a way, no matter where you look, even if it's farming, You know, farming is now through AI and whatever sensors and what you will have. And we have the Internet of Things soon. It will be even more. So you could say, well, there is only one industry left, which is tech, right? Software is eating the world. That's what they say. But, you know, that's maybe a little bit too far, but then because you have no analytical tool anymore at all to look at things. But take the example of uh, mobility and energy. Those used to be really very separate worlds. Uh, These days, car fleets and parking structures could become flexible power plants if you would have bi-directional charging, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a really new way where you say, well, they are part really of the energy industry and are transforming the way the energy industry works. It's like the early days of the internet almost when you look at how energy is you know, generated and distributed. You know, The future is not necessarily everything will be in, in huge power plants that get linearly you know, like a central data center to the terminals. That's what we have today. We might have interconnected small things that create energy. I don't know, a a building that is solar and is smart and produces maybe more than it needs becomes Mm -hmm. a mini power plant. So these are also ecosystems that somehow converge. And where do you compete now, right? Uh, is, Is Tesla, for instance, competing in the, you know, automotive space, or is it competing in the connected software, the smart city space? I mean, there's so many spaces you could actually look at. So it's a bit of a, uh, it's a change of the the dynamic of the systems, but also of the, the control, right? Which, again, in the cybernetic sense, where control be- is becoming more distributed rather than centralized or located within one single organization. Yeah. I mean, it has a lot of uh, implications also for strategy, right? I mean, strategy used to be uh, competitive intelligence and then, you know, the kind of chess moves, you know, I do this, what does the other guy do? And it's really yeah. seen as a, Uh, kind of a zero-sum game, you know, I gain market share, the other guy loses market share. An ecosystem kind of thinking and also in the platform economy, you know, it's really about 
about growth much more than about a, a zero-sum game. It's actually a win-win that you try to create and that increases the size of the cake. Because your traditional competitor could be an ally in your ecosystem where you're jointly creating exactly. value, maybe creating a market exactly. and then tackling it together, right? So exactly. it, it changed, uh, like you said, uh, the, the, the relationship yeah. and the, the zero-sum versus... Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Non-zero sum. I mean, the tough thing in ecosystems, of course, is in negotiation who captures what value that gets created by the various stakeholders, right? That's the political game. And if you are super powerful and if you are, you know, if you have it, what it takes, you might capture much, much more value than others can. But, you know, if you take too much, then the ecosystem doesn't work. So, It's a kind of an important element to make everybody kind of happy players in that system so they can collaborate. So, you know, taking more value out that you really contribute uh, is not a good thing. But that's the old thinking. The old thinking was, well, you know, I maximize my shareholder value for my own organization by squeezing my suppliers, by actually trying, you know, to extract as much as I can from my customers, right? And so on and so forth. That doesn't work. Uh, in an ecosystem thinking kind of concept. Yeah, because you, you have to focus from the start on the value creation rather than, than I guess, a cost-cutting or, or, you know, pure efficiency play. It's a give and take. I, I just read this morning somewhere in a, in a cheap self-help book. Uh, giving is more or is better, you know, than just taking, right? Yeah. Because if you give, you create, I don't know, goodwill and all kinds of things. But it is in a kind of true, in an ecosystem, the more you give into the system, the more you also take out of the system and get a leadership position in the system. And the more you try to maximize your own, you know, kind of profit in that system, the less you will be able really to contribute to their performance. So what kind of mentality or, or uh, perspective do leaders need to have because it's a, it's a bit of a different world. So what do they need to do differently compared to the leaders of before? I mean, there is one danger also now with this whole hype about ecosystems. One is they jump, you know, into the thing and really don't know how to act in it and might get bloody noses. And the other thing is, you know, just because things become interconnected, horizontal and networked, and we are now in an ecosystem does not mean that the concept of the single organization is dying. It's the, actually the opposite. So what uh, it becomes is kind of a dual challenge. So for instance, strategy, you need to have a sound strategy for your own organization in order to actually contribute to a sound ecosystem strategy. It's kind of a dual strategic challenge. The same goes for governance, for instance. You need to know how you you know, make decisions and you know, run your own organization in a way which is you know, easier because you have a constitution, you have labor laws, you have, you know, a board, everything is really codified how an organization works. The ecosystem is a bit of a wild west. Governance is something that emerges through, you know, multiple contractual arrangements that are fluid. You have to do both. You cannot make your own governance as fluid as it is in the ecosystem. So it's a dual organizational challenge. Uh, the operating system of an ecosystem might be very different than your own ecosystem and so on, so, uh, than your own organization and so on. So I think what leaders need to do, to get back to your question, is that they really have to think both. They have to think, how can I create a truly purposeful, strong, you know, strategic identity in my own organization 
and optimize the operating model for collaboration and at the same time let go of that kind of mindset that tries just to maximize my own profitability and you know my own role in the system. And that's a hard thing to do because sometimes you have to be humble. Think about smart city and mobility. I, 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 Daimler stepped, for instance, into mobility and uh, did it with this mindset of the car manufacturer that has, you know, certainly last hundred years, major player uh, in that market shaped a lot of uh, cars and technology. But uh, maybe the hardware is just a smaller element now in, in a larger ecosystem of mobility in smart cities and sensors and networking and what have you, you know, intelligent traffic systems and so on and so forth are more important than just the hardware. So how do you play in that? And then letting go, if you have been an industry leader in a very specific field and in the ecosystem, your role becomes just a contributor and you're not the orchestrator is a very hard thing to do for the established players who are you know, used to dominate. Is there a downside to working in in ecosystem? And 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 one, I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion on that. Could be collaboration overload, right? Which is more of a challenge that people have within organization. But you could see how if you are embedded yeah. into an ecosystem, then you need to, to collaborate with a lot more people on top of everybody you're already connected to at some point, you know, there's just so many Slack and tweets and email and SMS and calls and Zoom you can do in one day. So is that a challenge? I mean, this is a challenge today, even, you know, if, if at a certain size organizations become, I, I just published something about that, inward-oriented because they become so busy with themselves that they forget mm. that there is an outside world they should serve, right? It's kind yeah. of, you're in meetings and, all the time and as we said full email boxes and you get copied by hundreds of people and stuff like that no that is definitely a, an, an important point however i think we we must not forget that you know engaging in ecosystems is very much often uh, also a project-based approach one example comes to mind i like you know to, to use a lot is for instance when when airbus you know, initiated Skywise, which is a kind of a predictive maintenance system for uh, airplane engines. And this is a great example where everybody really benefits from it. Uh, Airbus, you know, gets really much more customer traction, but it gets also a lot of information about what's going on, you know, in, in the performance of their planes. And, you know, that informs, again, their R&D. In a nutshell, what they do is that they collect the data of the um, engine uh, performances and whatever happens with, with engines from all their customers, ideally even from, you know, Boeing customers. And that actually allows to save costs and be much faster in the maintenance of engines, which makes, you know, the airlines obviously quite happy uh, and has these benefits for Airbus, as, as, as mentioned before. Well, that is something which is a project type of thing that is just run by Airbus. It's not really changing the overall organization of Airbus that much. It's kind of a tentacle that they threw out. It's an ecosystem tentacle. Uh, and not everything must be an ecosystem necessarily. So I see it more as multiple project you know, organizations that get created for certain purposes. Um, I always like the film industry also is a great example. You know, you, you have a project, you pull together an ecosystem of I don't know, directors, actors, below the line people, you know, financing software that does the special effects and whatsoever. 
it comes together, it abandons itself again, right? And so in ecosystem, I see a similar thing. And then you might have super established ones that become almost organizations in their own way. And then they just have the same issues and pathologies as every organization has. And we, you know, it's fair to say that most organizations are involved in ecosystem these days, right? I mean, they're by their technological and digitizing nature. Mm -hmm. Is there also a a supra ecosystem, right? Could we, have we seen or imagined what would happen if two ecosystems fuse together? Because at some point there seems to be an organic logic where people can be together in this band like a project. So you could have companies joining and then leaving. So why not ecosystem, right? If we just go in the... uh, in the, in the oh, mythology. Well, I think if, if we take the analogy of the film industry, I, I find it always really fascinating or, you know, that, for instance, the whole talent question, I understand you're in HR and let's mm-hmm. talk to that audience also a little bit. Talent is not owned. I mean, there used to be a studio system where the studios owned the actors, but that is long, long gone. Talent has to really make sure that it gets its own reputation and its reputation is really by peer you know, kind of recognition, like uh, an Academy Award or, or whatever you get, or you have something like IMDb, a, a database where you can really list all your achievements. And uh, it's almost a little of a LinkedIn for the entertainment industry. I have done this and this and this. That gets me uh, into the casting, uh, you know, calls, and that gets me the job as a director because I have done it. There is recently this incredible great movie, by the way, Dune. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, it's by Villeneuve. It's this huge, uh, you know, really world-building kind of thing. It probably will win the Academy Award. Villeneuve says he did also Blade Runner, um, you know, 2049. Yeah. So, uh, and Arrival and other major movies. He continues to work with the same people, the same key people, because he knows them, he trusts them. They know how to work together. And even, you know, they will work in other projects when there is no Villeneuve project, right? It's still a kind of an ecosystem for him that he puts together. And and so these these multiple memberships that you really have them as talent. And if you're in demand as a, as a great talent, you might have three, four, five of ecosystems in which you participate. Now, that is also true for uh, industries, I believe, if you have something greater than, especially for those who provide digital infrastructure services. You know, I mean, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, web services is a member of, you know, thousands of ecosystems really, right? But they provide the cloud service for, and uh, for the ecosystem partners who use the cloud, it's maybe important to really develop a specific great relationship to the specific people who support them at Amazon in order to glean the best out of that. So relationship management, even to such major players like an Amazon or Microsoft or whatever, is also important to understand who is who in that organization, who do I really target, who can I work together with to make things most uh, effective and efficient. So I think the the talent, the leader, the employee of the future will have to increasingly embrace that that complexity where you can have multiple level, multiple overlapping identities, loyalties. And even if you are a gig worker, you become part, you know, joining a company. It's, it's, it's your own mini ecosystem in which you are a smaller organization. Yeah, and as, as we know, you know, we're speaking of gig workers, we have the internal kind of gig 
kind of economy in organizations where people really in a skill-based organization rather move from task to task than having fixed job profiles. But what we also are going to see is, a, is, is the talent becomes an ecosystem challenge in terms of that, you know, people who are in charge of talent management must let go of the notion that only the talent they control is the talent they have to take care of. They also have to take care of talent they do not control that sits outside that maybe is an alum uh, and, you know, left the company for whatever reason, but might be an interesting partner for certain kind of things or a customer or what have you. You see McKinsey this, does this, by the way, in a great way. Alums become clients uh, or GE did it uh, in Jack Welch's time when they produced so many leaders that they couldn't really place them all in their own organizations. So they became CEOs in the ecosystem, so to say, of, of GE, and they had trust yeah, yeah. and they knew themselves and they were much better in collaboration uh, with, 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 with GE than those who did not have that, that kind of history with the company. So talent is a much larger concept in the ecosystem world than just the talent that is on your payroll. For sure. Since you work at a center who studied the future of organization, obviously ecosystems are shaping the future yeah. organization, whatever it looked like. Yeah. 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 Is there is there something else outside of, let's say, you know, technology and ecosystem, or is that the full field of what's transforming organization and organizational structures nowadays? I mean, I personally think and that was really driving our, our work on ecosystems, it's really fundamentally, it's really the digital transformation and not only of, you know, of organizations, just of society. I think we are, you know, in a, a point of history that is as fundamental, obviously, as the Industrial Revolution was, if not more. And uh, what it does really is that it challenges not only organizations, it challenges the whole, you know, kind of political system, it, it challenges the concept of nation states, uh, you know, it challenges the concept, uh, I don't know, of, of uh, uh, I just lost what I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, democracy, you know, mm -hmm. as it is, because we can see what this technology does in social media, the whole Facebook and now famously meta, well, mm -hmm. discussion, uh, what it does to democracy and, and just to our concepts of, uh, you know, political activities, I think we do not have, for instance, a, a theory of society that considers really what changes through digital. Our concept of society is is, is a result of industrial revolution still, and uh, all the parties and unions and, and what you mm -hmm. have is you know democracy, nation states. That's all a result of the industrial revolution, and the digital revolution will bring stuff we haven't seen yet, and we actually looking at these things as well on a larger scale. Yeah, we haven't fully embraced a concept of, of society or humanity when everybody can be connected to everybody. So the physical right. distance or location count a little less and you can be in your own bubble with yeah. people around the world. Um, yeah. So your allegiance to a certain entity can fluctuate or be, be much more complex than it used to be. And we probably need new, new concept to think through that. Yeah. I mean, the matrix in a way was very, you know, visionary, you know, yep. in, in many ways. Right. So yeah, we'll see where this goes, but it's just that what are other things. So I think digital is really driving a lot of that stuff. I think that also we are 
looking much, much more into, as I said before, self-editing, semi-autonomous microorganizations, you know, that interact with each other. I think that we will remain certainly for a certain kind of needs in, in, in very large global monsters of organizations that are multi, multi-billion or what have you. But parallel, those may be more and more benefiting from AI and automation and things like that, uh, whereas there is a new world coming up of, you know, almost the renaissance situation where you can really manufacture things that are your own, like my kid producing, you know, music videos in his own garage with the equipment that costs a few hundred dollars or um, people having 3D printers where they can do all kinds of things at home. And it's not necessarily scalable. That's not the point here. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it's something that gives you sense of identity of work back that we lost, uh, you know, in the in the industrial uh, revolution when you think about Taylorism and that kind of stuff. So I see this kind of dual uh, economy coming up. And is there a particular technology or set of technologies that you are monitoring or following because you think it's going to have a, a bigger impact than the others? You know, like 20, 30 years ago, you we could think that the internet yeah, yeah. or the cloud, right, would be the yeah. sort of the next step in, in our evolution. Well, I think, you know, there, there are a few technologies out there that I would say are these kind of anchored technologies that will make an impact. Obviously, um, there is IoT, you know, the, the, the whole really Internet of Things or Industry 4.0, but what you will see there. Clearly, you know, it's kind of a exponential, again, very big change of the game. Uh, another one is distributed ledgers via blockchain, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. I think that's also a major, major uh, change we see already with cryptocurrencies. And, but it's not only cryptocurrencies, of course, that this blockchain is just the defining new ways of transactional relationships. The AI, a third one, I think is, is certainly not to be <laughs> neglected. We haven't seen much there, you know, singularity. We know what the, these guys are thinking that eventually, you know, human intelligence will be uh, by far, you know, exceeded by what machines can do. And in certain ways that may be true and others maybe, maybe not. Mm. What else? Um, quantum computing, I think, is another one where yeah. we will see major, major impact. Yeah, so there, there are quite a few. What we try to see is really everything, right? I mean, we, we're not specialized now. Look, let's deep at blockchain or let's deep uh, into into AI or something like that. But you cannot think about the future organization without considering these things, right? Our focus is really uh, how to organize uh, we call our center also a future of organization, which means how to organize, not necessarily just companies, maybe society, how to organize an ecosystem, how to organize these kinds of things, because organizations are a kind of one level of, I would say, social entity or social, technolo- uh, social technological entity that uh, uh, can only be understood again in a larger context. So we're looking really at that whole you know, how would I say, stream from starting the individual, the team, the organization, you know, the ecosystem, the larger converging industries, eventually societies. So that's the angle. Yeah. 
And a final question for you. Where can we learn more about your work, your thoughts, your everything you do? Everything I do. <laughs> well, you know, we, we obviously have a website, which is called futureorg.org, uh, which is the website of our center. Um, uh, we just recently, I started a, a newsletter at LinkedIn, which, you know, focuses exactly on these things. Uh, actually, I just yesterday published the third Uh, installment of that letter talking about what I call decentration competence. So you can step out of the center of the universe and look at a larger system. There is also a thing that might be interesting for some. We're, we're launching a, a global dialogue platform on things. You know, we want to live what we preach. So we create and want to create our own ecosystem of, of people who are in academia and consulting and business. Yeah, we call it the ABC community, Academia Business Consulting Community. We're with, it's, it's a curated community because we don't want to have thousands of people, but those who really can contribute or have an interest are invited to that. And so that is another thing where we don't, we then learn from each other actually, rather than just from us. So that's maybe the three things I want to point to. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Roland, for uh, joining us. Yeah, it's my super pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me here. This was Abroad Future, the podcast on the future of work that happened faster than we thought. I hope you learned something valuable. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and any feedback or rating is greatly appreciated. On LinkedIn and in real life, my name is Benoit Hardivelli and I thank you for your time.